My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, we come to the end of another Lenten midweek series. We've been talking about Jonah this year, of course, and I will get to the, the big finale of our five-week uh, series in a second. Before I do that, though, I just want to say a word of... Um, I don't know, I guess thanks, appreciation, maybe name. Uh, how re I really think it is a beautiful thing what we do during Lent on Wednesday nights. I've said a few times uh, recently, because I believe it, and the older I get, the more I believe it, that I, we are a family. And there are a lot of things that we do throughout the year that remind us of that. Uh, but I'm not sure there's anything we do that reminds us of that quite as powerfully as these Wednesday night worship services. It's the end of the day, you know, we're all maybe tired after a long day. We come here, uh, we share a meal. If you get here soon enough, um, I just came from a Bible study, uh, which was wonderful, by the way. Thanks, everyone, for coming to those Bible studies for the last five weeks. Uh, we pray together, we worship together, you know, we share some of our life together. Um, for my family, I know that I've been here, this is my 11th year, uh, so my kids have grown up and are growing up here. Sarah clearly feels very comfortable at the beginning of this service. You, some of you heard her shouting. Um, right, Sarah? Hi. She's looking at me like, what are you talking about, Daddy? Um, but they have grown to anticipate these services. Yeah. Sarah's timing is good. Uh, <laughs> and to love them, it's truly. And, I, and, and we've been doing these long enough that I, I, we put some pretty deep roots down with this Holden Evening Prayer thing. Um, and I just don't want to let another year pass without just saying how beautiful I think that is. And so thank you all for being here. Uh, I hope you also have found it to be a meaningful part of, of your uh, Lenten experience. So we've been talking about Jonah. Uh, the pastors decided to do this a while ago. Valerie, uh, Pastor Valerie, uh, preached on Jonah last fall, something. I think, it was, and so this was your idea, I believe. I'm not throwing stones. I'm I'm giving her credit. Um, you can thank her. Uh, and we've all been talking about and thinking about. It. And of course, there are a lot of ways you could approach the book. We have chosen, as you know, to approach it through this lens of running from grace. Four chapters, chapters of the book. So for the last four weeks, um, we've talked about some of the ways that Jonah ran from the grace of God. Um, and of course, we can place ourselves, at least I can place myself, in all of those, those categories. And we could extend that, them infinitely, but we only got four weeks. So we talked about how uh, God's grace requires too much from me, and therefore I'm going to run from it. Or I'm ashamed of something. Therefore, I'm going to run from it. Or they don't deserve it. Some other people who maybe we don't feel deserve God's grace. That comes in, out clearly in the book of Jonah. Or I don't want to change. Now, I will, I will confess, as, as I was preparing for the sermon tonight, I misremembered the subject of this one, the fifth week. I, I thought it was a question, can you outrun God's grace? And I was just going to give you the spoiler alert, and the answer to that was no. But it turns out we gave the spoiler alert like two months ago when we announced that the title is actually You Can't Outrun Grace. So 
so I guess you knew that already. <laughs> so I want to talk about that tonight, though, and I actually want to talk about it. I'll lift up a, one example that I think sort of encapsulates that from the book of Jonah, but before that, I want to actually go to a totally different book, which I think, I hope, makes sort of the broader point that you cannot, no one, no one can outrun God's grace. And that comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Um, this is the 16th chapter. This is the famous encounter with uh, uh, Jesus and Peter. Um, and Peter, you may know this, but in Greek, his name sounds a lot like the, word, the Greek word for rock. So there's a play on words in the original Greek in which Jesus is basically saying, you, Peter, so we would call him you, Rocky, are my rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. Now, little Bible study quiz tonight. Does anyone remember what the next phrase of that verse is? Anyone? Yes, Nora gets a gold star. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you, rock, rocky. Um, you are the rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, why do I think of that passage? I think of that passage or that verse because I think usually we read it upside down, backwards, in the sense that we, th we hear those words gates, and we think, oh, so we're going to be the church, and we've got some gates, and hell and all the bad stuff, isn't going to be able to break in to us. We're protected. That's not what the passage means. It means the opposite. And it's directly related to the topic tonight, that we cannot outrun God's grace. What it means is that hell is gated, and Jesus is saying, even those gates, even the gates that protect hell, I will penetrate. So another way of saying that is that God's church is a church that is on the offensive, not on the defensive. It's a reminder that God is reaching out to all the corners of the world, which means you can't outrun grace. There is nowhere you can go in the world, not even to hell, where you will not find God. And we were reminded of that every time we say the creed, right? Um, Jesus died. He descended where? To the dead or into hell. Why did he do that? To save the people in hell for all time. Doesn't mean they respond. We'll get to that. But that's sort of big picture. There is nowhere you can go to escape God's grace or to outrun God's grace. Now I want to lift up one example from the book of Jonah. It's not a very long book, you may have noticed. But in the second chapter, that's where Jonah is in the ship. Okay? Does Jonah have a good attitude when he climbs in the ship? No. Does he have a good attitude anywhere in the book of Jonah? No. But he doesn't have a good attitude when he climbs in the ship. He is trying to avoid, he's trying to run away from God's grace, right? He's got a cruddy attitude. He is trying to get as far away from where God wants him to go as he can. And what happens? 
God's grace happens anyway. And the people in the ship are saved. Shocking. Now, there's a parallel story, kind of a parallel story in the New Testament. This is in Acts. I'm not going to read it for you. I'll make it brief. Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul also is going to get into a ship. There's also going to be a storm. Different situation, though. In this case, Paul does not have a bad attitude. Paul is actually anxious to do God's work. But sort of uh, events conspire against him, and he thinks that the ship should stay in harbor. And the people, the captain, the people who are running the show of the ship say, no, we're going to sail. We're going to go somewhere else. Somewhere Paul doesn't want to go. But again, Paul has a good attitude. He's trying to do God's work. And what happens? God's grace is present then. So whether, point, point sort of is, whether we have a bad attitude, whether our intentions are right or wrong, God's grace will happen. In both of those stories, <clears throat> the sort of Bible studies around the scholars, the, the pastors, the rabbis who have talked about them, the consensus is they sort of mean that everyone in those ships was saved. And, and everyone who's in the ship represents everyone in the world. So again, a reminder, you can't outrun God's grace. However, you can say no to God's grace. And that's, I think, you know, the book of Jonah ends very strangely, right? Jonah's whining about the plant that he didn't make happen and then dies. And he cries to God and is angry. He wants to die. And God says, why should you cry about and complain about that? You didn't have anything to do with making that plant. And yet you're upset about it. Should I, God, should I also then not be worried about these good people of Nineveh who don't know their right hand from their left and all the animals? Here ends the book of Jonah. It's a weird ending. Part of the reason it ends that way, probably the main reason it ends that way, is we are left wondering, what the heck does Jonah do? Does Jonah ultimate, does he keep whining? Does he keep going against God's will? Or does he learn something and end up following God's will and participating in God's will? And guess what? That's the question all of us are asked every day of our lives. And to our young people, you know, this is confirmation night. Our confirmands uh, come to these services. What I want to suggest to you tonight is that um, whatever you do, wherever you go, wherever your life takes you, first of all, again, God will be there. You cannot run away from God's grace. And even, I think more importantly, God wants you to participate in God's work, and God needs you to participate in God's work. And I'm going to suggest to you tonight that if you spend your life trying to hear where God is calling you, trying to respond to it, we never do that perfectly in this life, right? And by the way, it means that each of us will live very different lives, doesn't mean we're all going to live the same life. It doesn't mean they all look the same. We have different skills and abilities and talents and approaches to the world. God needs all of those. So if we listen 
closely to where God is calling us, if we respond to it, and if we participate in the grace of God in the world, I want to suggest to you that we will live lives filled with meaning and purpose and love and grace. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we do believe that you invite us to participate with you in your never-ending love and in extending your grace to all the corners of the world. We thank you for these last five weeks. We pray you will continue to open our ears to how you are calling us, open our eyes to where you are leading us, so that we may do your work in the world. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.